0: The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, February 12th, 2023 on the basis of 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 through 12. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. There is no question that when God tells us how he wants us to live, when he describes the conduct that he wants us to have, that it is different. It is different from how pop music lyrics tell us to live, different probably from how our favorite celebrity tells us to live, different from how commercials and cable news and TikTok videos tell us how to live. In fact, it is different and not just a little bit. It's very different. We might even say it's extreme. We might even say it's radical. But that raises an important question. Different how? You see, different can be good and different can also be bad. Even just a tiny pinch of salt in otherwise unseasoned and bland food is really different, but different in a good way. And even a tiny beam of light in an otherwise pitch-black woods is also very different, but again, different in a good way. And that's exactly the kind of different that our Savior Jesus wants us to be. Last week we heard Jesus describe his followers as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So Jesus wants us to be different, but again, different in a good way. So do you think that's how others see it? Do you think that's the assessment that non-Christians would give of the conduct that they see in Christians? That's an especially important question for us to consider this morning as today we hear the Apostle Paul tell us that he wants us to take this different behavior that Jesus tells us to put into practice in our lives and, and apply it even more. Paul says to the Christians in Thessalonica, you are doing this already, but I want you to pick up the pace a bit. I want you to really crank it up a notch. I want you to take this radical and extreme behavior, and I want it to be abounding and overflowing in your lives. So again, how do you think others will perceive and receive that conduct? I mean, normally when we describe things as extreme and radical, that doesn't exactly have a positive connotation. That's why the word of God that's in front of us this morning is so very important, both in the words of Jesus that you heard in today's gospel and in these words from the Apostle Paul. Both of them urge us to look deeper than just at what's on the surface, deeper than just our outward conduct. In fact, it's important for us to remember that that's actually the true meaning, the real meaning, the the root meaning of the word radical. If something is radical, it refers to something that is at the root. Of things. It is at the heart of things. It is below the surface. It is the thing that is causing everything that appears on the surface to be the way that it is. And this radical way of living that Paul describes in these verses is really the key to putting into practice in our lives conduct that is not just pleasing to God, but also will be pleasant to others, like seasoning, in otherwise bland food, like a beam of light in an otherwise dark forest, not just different in terms of its outward manifestation, but also coming from a very different place and serving a very different purpose. In other words, as we look at the, these verses from first Thessalonians that are in front of us this morning, we're going to see that God wants us to live radically, not just radically. And the first area of our lives where Paul wants us to do that is in the bedroom. In other words, he addresses our conduct when it comes to the topic of sex. It's really no surprise that the conduct that God wants from us in the bedroom is different. In fact, it seems to be getting differenter by the day. The list of things that take place in bedrooms... That God would approve of seems to be getting longer and longer all the time. In fact, so much so that sometimes people make the argument that if God's word doesn't specifically address a specific behavior and call it wrong, then it must be okay. Well, in these verses, the Apostle Paul really covers everything with one big blanket statement. He says, Keep your lives free from all forms of sexual immorality, stay away from it all. And so, yes, when it comes to our conduct in the bedroom, God wants our behavior to be different. He wants it to be radical. But he also wants it to be radical. He wants not just the behavior to be different. He wants it to come from a different place and to serve a different purpose. What constitutes Paul's definition of sexual immorality? Well, it is everything that isn't what Paul says next. And unfortunately, here, our translation doesn't really help us see what Paul says next. More literally, Paul says to the Thessalonians, each man should learn to acquire a wife in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust. In other words, what Paul is saying, what God is saying to Christians, is not... Look, I know that you all have these desires, but instead of pursuing these desires and expressing these desires and satisfying these desires, however and whenever and with whomever you want, what I want for you is to find one person to satisfy those desires with for the rest of your life. That's certainly true. But God is saying much more than that. He's saying that we shouldn't even think of marriage primarily as a way for us to satisfy those desires in a good and God-pleasing way. He's saying that we shouldn't primarily have the viewpoint that in a marriage, our spouse is there for us. Instead, we should have the attitude that we are there for our spouses. He wants us to view marriage not primarily as this Thing where we get to express and explore and find satisfaction for our desires, but instead primarily as a way that we get to commit our entire lives for the well-being of someone else. God's plan for marriage would guarantee that before you would ever ask anyone to offer their body to you for your pleasure you would first offer your entire life for their well-being. That's also why God promises vengeance in these verses, why he promises to punish those who commit sins of sexual immorality. It's not just because God is against people having fun. I mean, God's the one who made us this way in the first place. Instead, it's because sins of sexual immorality always cause harm. They always harm the other person, even if that person gives their full consent to what is going on. Sins of sexual immorality always cause harm. If a man looks at a woman primarily as the object of his desire, even if that woman is his wife, he harms her. He makes her something less than what God intended her to be. And certainly, if a man looks that way at a woman who is not his wife, then he harms her, and he harms the man who is her husband, or one day could be her husband. So it's really no wonder that perhaps at times the world finds what might be described as a Christian sexual ethic as a little bit unappealing. It would be very easy for us to convey, in fact, we probably have conveyed, that as long as you have a certain type of desires, and probably as long as you are a man, then this entire system is designed for you to get exactly what you want. And if you don't fit those descriptions then too bad, so sad, you're out of luck. God's plan for our sexuality is not something that's less radical than that. It's something far more radical than that. It's that for everyone. Our sexuality is not this thing that we're supposed to explore and express and simply pursue a way that we can have those desires satisfied. Instead, It's that our sexuality is just one small part of a much bigger plan where someone else can have their well-being fully accounted for for the rest of their lives. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that the world is, is going to love that. There's still a lot about it that they're not going to like and that they're going to disagree with, but maybe they would find it just a little bit more appealing. If we did a better job of conveying that this isn't really about anyone primarily finding a way to satisfy their desires, but instead is a way for someone to offer their entire life for the good of someone else. Maybe that's enough time in the bedroom for today. Paul eventually closes the door on the bedroom, and he walks over to the front door of the house. He opens that one up, and he takes us outside. He takes us into the neighborhood. The next topic Paul wants to address in these verses is the topic of brotherly love. Now, in this area, maybe it doesn't seem as though Christian conduct is really anything all that different or radical at all. The world around us is all about brotherly love. It's not like we are hearing from the world around us that we should be total jerks to other people, that we should harm others, that we should steal from others. Maybe it doesn't seem as though Christian conduct is really anything all that radical in this area. Well, maybe all that means is we should pay a little bit more attention to what Paul says in these verses more often. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Mind your own business and work with your hands. So in a world that worships fame, in a world where titles are bestowed on people who have a certain number of followers on Instagram, titles like Influencer, Paul says you should consider it a special and precious gift to go through life anonymous, to be a virtual nobody, to have very few people even know who you are. In a world where people are very good and very quick to tell other people how they should think and what they should be doing, the Apostle Paul says, mind your own business. Get busy doing the things that you are supposed to be doing. And in a world where we think that the way we are going to make things better, the way we are going to change things, is with the messages that we put on our signs and our t-shirts and our bumper stickers, the Apostle Paul says, Work with your hands. Don't just talk about what needs to be done. Go out and do it. Every single word of what Paul says here is very different, very radical. And it's also radical. It's not just different behavior, but it comes from a different place and it serves a very different purpose. In fact, our behavior out in the neighborhood actually comes from the same place and serves the same purpose as our behavior in the bedroom. There is a reason why people are so eager to be famous, to be well known. There's a reason why people are so eager to let everybody else know what they should be doing. There is a reason why we are so fond of talking about what needs to be done instead of actually doing it, and it's because all of that does a very good job of serving me, making my life better. But it doesn't do a very good job at all of doing anything good for anyone else. And so it would be completely understandable why the world would find it very unappealing if this is what they are seeing from Christians. People who want some sort of special recognition and want everybody to know just how wonderful they are. People who are very, very good at telling everybody else what they're supposed to think and say and do. People who are very good about talking about what needs to be done instead of actually doing it. In fact, if we are looking for a way where the conduct that we demonstrate in our lives can really make a positive impression on others, this is our ticket. The world is always going to find our conduct in the bedroom to be a little bit strange. But when he's talking about our conduct in the neighborhood, the Apostle Paul holds out this promise. He says, live in this way so that your life will win the respect of outsiders. So, two very different realms the bedroom, the neighborhood. Two very different ways in which Paul wants us to act, but really coming from the same place and serving the very same purpose. What pleases our God is what is good for our neighbor, which is why we actually need to trace this conduct even a little bit deeper than just the roots. We actually need to look at the only soil in which this type of root and this type of plant can grow. You see, if we are going to take our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on our neighbor, then we need to first and foremost make sure that all of our needs have been taken care of. And first and foremost, our need to be made right with our God. And when it comes to everything that we could ever possibly need, That's exactly what Jesus made it his mission to do. When the Apostle Paul says that if we live this way, it will please our God, that's not in the sense that it will somehow earn God's favor for us or earn a spot in heaven with him. No, that has already been taken care of by our Savior Jesus. He was the one who, as we heard in today's verse of the day, offered his life as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice God, His perfect life, His innocent death for us, means that we have been forgiven for every single time we have been interested only in ourselves in the bedroom or completely indifferent to our neighbor in the neighborhood. The work of our Savior Jesus Christ is the only soil in which a good plant like this can possibly grow. But yes, when that plant grows, make no mistake, God is pleased. He is pleased just like you would be pleased if you dedicated weeks and maybe even months to building a beautiful grandfather clock, a beautiful piece of furniture to sit and be displayed in your home to tell you the time and also to display the skill of your craft. How you would be pleased if that precious grandfather clock was then stolen by someone and you went searching for it high and low. You spared no amount of time or effort to try and track it down. If that grandfather clock finally showed up in a pawn shop and you were willing to pay any expense to get it back. And if you brought that grandfather clock back into your home, but boy, it had a lot of damage. And so you set about to work on it again to pour all of your skill and all of your craft into it. And then finally, it was once again beautiful. Once again working. You would surely smile. Not because the grandfather clock had somehow earned your favor, but because it was finally doing the very thing you had designed and built it to do. Friends, in the very same way, God our Father built and designed us to display His glory in the world. Our Father in Heaven paid the price of His own dear Son to get us back when we fell into the hands of Satan. And our dear Father in Heaven gave His Holy Spirit into our hearts to renew and strengthen us to do the very things that He is so pleased by. And so, yes when he sees us doing those things, when he sees us not just displaying conduct that is radical, but conduct that is coming from a radical place and serving a radical purpose, make no mistake, he is pleased. And as an added bonus, others might just find it pleasant too. Amen.